Welcome to the Bookkeeping with a Purpose podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to explore the world of church finances and discover what makes them so darn unique. This will be a multi-episode series, so join me today as we discuss the foundations of church finances and managing contributions and donations. I'll also be sharing a totally cool update from a recent Supreme Court decision. I'm glad to be back talking church finances. I hope you all had a great uh, summer. And if you're ready, let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Bookkeeping with a Purpose podcast. My name is Michelle Brown, and I'm an enrolled agent and church finance consultant, and I love all things Jesus, church finances, business, and books. In this podcast, we're going to discuss the ins and outs of church finances and minister taxes, along with how to serve the local church as either a staff member, volunteer, or through your own bookkeeping business, all while keeping Jesus at the center of everything you do. So grab your notebook and pen to take some notes because we're going to learn all kinds of stuff. So if this sounds like fun to you, then come on, let's get ready to learn. Hey there, my sweet friend. I am so very excited to be back teaching church finances. I really love doing the summer series on the Bible, and I'm very happy that I did them. But it's time to get back to learning all things church finances, payroll, compliance, and clergy taxes. So before we get into today's episode, though, I want to tell you about a recent Supreme Court decision that is relevant in the church world and to Christians in general that I thought was noteworthy. So you might want to take notes on this one. It was cool. Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 states that employers with at least 15 employees cannot discriminate against employees on account of their religious beliefs, and they are required to make reasonable accommodations for the employee's religious practices as long as it does not cause undue hardship to the employer. This includes working on religious holidays and the Sabbath. Recent Supreme Court uh, case in Groff versus DeJoy, the court of the United States made it harder for employers to reject religious accommodation requests. The case came about because Mr. Gerald Groff wanted to honor the Sabbath and not work on Sundays. That wasn't an issue for most of his career at the U.S. Post Office until 2013. When business picked up, guess to what? because of the popularity of Amazon. (laughs) It picked up so much that the office he worked at began to be open on Sundays. So he requested to be transferred to a different office that wasn't going to be affected by the new Sunday schedule. And that worked great for about four years until that office then began to deliver on Sundays as well. So he was then forced to deal with the issue head on and he requested Sundays off. The post office stated that the request created turmoil within the office and caused people to quit or turn to the union for help. Feeling that there was no other option, Mr. Groff ended up quitting the post office and then filed the lawsuit. The win came in the court making it to where the employer has to prove not just undue hardship, but they have to prove substantial additional cost to allow the employee the day off instead of just the undue hardship. So this decision is a huge win for bivocational ministers and church planners who struggle with trying to balance their day job with their calling to serve God's church. I thought this was a really cool um, recent development. I thought it was noteworthy and as it applies to so many of our ministers now are bivocational. All right, so now let's talk church finances. We're going to start with the foundation of church finances. 
We're going to take a look at the historical context of church finances, which means what does the Bible say about giving to money? Anytime I think about money, the very first scripture that always comes to my mind is Malachi 3.10. In the New King James, which is, it is written, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. If you look up the word tithe on the website vocabulary.com, it says that the definition of tithe is to make a contribution equal to one-tenth of your income, usually to a church. And that, I thought this was interesting, devout churchgoers usually tithe even in years when their finances are very tight. What are the odds that a secular, non-religious website dictionary is going to add that devout churchgoers usually tithe even in years when their finances are very tight? Okay. Some people say that tithing was only for the Old Testament times, and as New Testament believers, we no longer are under that guidance. Ladies and gentlemen, I say that is hogwash. All right. Hogwash. In Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth, he writes, On the first day of every week, each one of you set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, he also says, Each one of you give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And at no point... None, not a zilch, did Jesus relieve us of the responsibility of supporting his church. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 18, Scripture says the laborer is worthy of his wages. That includes your church staff. If no one gives money to support the church, then how are they supposed to be able to support themselves while giving up their time to tend to the needs of the members and spread the gospel? I've always heard that you don't pay your pastor so that he can work at the church. You pay your pastor's salary because he has to give up his regular job so that he can devote it to taking care of your church and your members. All right. So now that we have re-clarified where the church funds are coming from and why believers donate, let's talk about how we are to properly manage those contributions and donations. So according to a recent ECFA, which is the Evangelical Church Finance Association article. Charitable giving trends are returning, hallelujah, to pre-COVID patterns. And overall, the number of donors is down 10%, which is sad, which makes the donors who do give such an important part of the local church. One of the biggest challenges churches face in dealing with donations is managing irregular and fluctuating income from members and other donors. For many members, their income is regular. You have a regular 9 to 5 job, you know what you're going to be paid, so they know from paycheck to paycheck what the amount they will be paid and what they can give that week. For others, like the self-employed, like myself, or commission-based employees, that income amount is harder to gauge because we, you know, you don't always know what you're going to get. So that creates a challenge for the church. And we're going to touch on three ways that churches can deal with these challenges. Number one, budgeting and financial planning. 
I cannot tell you how many churches, especially small churches, I run into that don't have a budget. I cannot fathom trying to run any organization without a budget. I, as a business owner, even have a budget for my business. I know what percentage I can take as a draw. I know what percentage I need to have um, for uh, operating expenses. What percentage of my income needs to go for self-employment taxes. What percentage I can hold out for profit. So a church needs to create a budget. It doesn't have to be technical really technical it doesn't have to be in depth you can make a very simple budget that outlines your expected income and your projected expenses i always tell my churches people your budget is not written in stone it is written in paper or typed up on a computer it can always be changed and edited as it needs to be okay but getting a budget in place will help the church leaders to allocate funds appropriately. And it's always a great idea to include a contingency fund in the budget to account for those unexpected fluctuations in income or some unseen expenses. A contingency fund for a church is kind of like for um, an emergency fund for individuals. If you know anything, follow Dave Ramsey. He's huge on steps one is getting your uh, an emergency fund in place. And businesses and churches need that as well. All right, so the first thing your church is gonna do to help deal with um, this is to budget. The second thing is to diversify income streams. You're thinking, what on earth does that mean, okay? That means to encourage various forms of giving. Post-COVID and during COVID, many of my church clients, their online giving went through the roof okay i have one church now that probably 95 percent of their giving is done online even though they're back to meeting in person people just got in the habit during covid of those faithful tithers and givers who wanted to give even though they couldn't meet in person they got into the habit of doing the online giving and they're still doing online giving okay you can also set up electronic fund transfers which is, um, you know, do, through your online banking, mobile apps. Okay, I want to touch on mobile apps. There are mobile apps like my church uses Church Center, and I can go in there and I can donate. I feel it's very secure. It's made specifically for churches. It's great, okay? There are some churches that use Venmo or Cash App or these other things. People, these apps were created for personal transfers between individuals, not churches. Yes, I know you can use them, but I do not recommend them. Use, if you're going to do a mobile app for giving, please use something that is created specifically for churches. And then, of course, you can still always do in-person offerings. Um, I am still, because I'm a paper and pen person, I still use checks. I carry a checkbook. I love, 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 love when I get paid to be able, after I know what my income is for that week, to be able to make my first check to write it out to my church for my tithe and offering, okay? So you can do online donations, the electronic fund transfers, mobile apps if they're built for churches, please, and then in-person offerings. 
because you seriously do want to give your church counter something to do on Sunday or afternoons or Monday mornings. Okay. Um, you can also organize fundraising events. This is really popular still with uh, youth ministries because youth ministries are always going on. They're going to camp or they're going on mission trips or they're doing this project or doing that. Um, you can do fundraising events. You can do charity auctions. You can do community engagement activities to, you know, generate additional income. So don't just sit there and say, oh, woe is me. Nobody's coming in and nobody's throwing money in the offering plate. Give them more options. Maybe people would give, but they don't. I know a lot of people don't carry checkbooks anymore. A lot of people don't carry cash, which I think is sad because I always prefer cash over a credit card. But give them options of making online. There are too many different options that are available. You've got Tithely, you've got Givelify. Um, there's all kinds of different ways that you can give online. Okay, and the third way that churches can deal with these challenges is by regular communications. Maintain transparent and cons consistent communication with your members and your donors about the financial needs of your church. If you never, ever, ever mention giving, how do your members know that the church needs money? It's kind of like if you don't say anything, everything's fine. Well, it may not be. And no, we're not to get up there and beg for money and talk about money each and every week. And our goal is not to get money, money, money for the church. The goal is to encourage our members and our regular attendees to follow the tenets of scripture and to be that giver with a cheerful heart, to give as God lays upon your heart and to give that tithe, okay? Because God is the one who gives you the ability to generate that wealth. And though you may say, Psh, I ain't wealthy, girlfriend, boyfriend, if you live in the United States and you have food in your house and a roof over your head, then you are in the top 3% of the wealthiest people in the entire world. And as a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, seriously, who could be more wealthy than you are? Okay, wealth is not just financial wealth. There's so much more to it. Um, churches also need to regularly communicate and share updates on the impact of their contributions, showing how their donations are being utilized. I've covered this previously in a different um, it different podcast episode about contribution statements and doing those supplemental um, pay pages to your contribution statements. Okay, so by implementing a combination of these strategies, churches really can better manage the challenges posed by irregular and fluctuating income, ensuring that they continue to fulfill their mission of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ effectively. Because unfortunately, as you already know, it takes money to do anything in this world. And it's not that God can't accomplish what he wants to accomplish. He wants to use us to help him accomplish his work on this earth. And we have to have money to do that. Okay. So that is going to wrap up another episode. As always, thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that the information provided was informative and insightful. And I pray that it gave you some tangible steps that you can take to make your church finance run more office run more smoothly or it at least gave you confirmation that what you're doing is is good and that you're doing it correct so either way 
Be sure to tune in next time for more valuable insights to help you take care of the business side of the church. And until then, my friend, let's all strive to make an impact and not just an income. Take care and remember to always look your best, do your best, and be your best. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Hey there, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If this podcast inspired you or helped you in any way, please do me a couple of favors. Number one, leave me an awesome review on Apple Podcasts as that helps me more than you know. And number two, share this with a friend so they can be encouraged as well. And until next week, remember to serve him with excellence and represent him in all you do. Bye-bye.